G'day, thanks so much for buying our preview edition year-round carnival day two of the championships. Four huge group ones to take place and we can't wait for the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. Think it over. Another big race victory wins the Apollo Stakes in brilliant style. Fifty metres to go. Zaki, a star, an all-star mile winner, scored a length and a quarter. Animo's getting serious now, and he said, ta-da to Profondo. Away goes Animo and the Rose Hill Guineas. He's well clear. Converger's trying to run into second place. He probably will at the end, but this is the best of Animo today. A brilliant performance in the Rose Hill Guineas, won it by seven Montefiore is going great guns. Is she going to cause the upset? Montefiore is fending off there. She's claimed a big scout today. Modophilia by a length and three quarters. Very elegant. She's brave. She lifts. And she wins her second chipping daughter. Very elegant. Dewis is cutting loose. Coming down the outside of Stockman. And in a bound, the great mayor Dewis. Races to the lead inside the 200 metres and shot clear from Stockman. Then chosen one, Shiraz, and further back to think it over. But Dewis, a star mare on the rise, and she claims the Group 1 double, the Australian Cup and the Tankred Stakes. What a performance! Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. Vince Accardi, Daily Sexuals, mate, this could be the race of the season. Yeah, I, I ordered myself some Wellingtons just in case, you know, I have to get to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, uh, we, we record on. this 6 o'clock Friday morning. We will be doing a up, full update tomorrow. And even if you're just getting our, uh, our smaller package, you'll still get the update for the four races. We want to give you the best service we possibly can. But um, quality-wise, this Queen Elizabeth Stakes is going to be unbelievable. All the horses that we're looking forward to, Zaki, Very Elegant, Duave, Monophilia, Animo, uh, think it over, uh, Sydney Star at 2,000 metres is $34. So that just shows the depth of quality of that race. <laughs> oh, it's a sensational card. And it's just like everything else. We've got the wet tracks. At least it's consistent. <laughs> Absolutely right. So what's your mindset when it comes to, obviously, heavy, heavy 10, uh, rail out four metres uh, compared to this time last week? Well, the on-pace runners get a, a bit bigger edge. Right. If I look at the long-term history of, let's say, the last 12 years on pace, it's around 41%, Ralphie, and a pretty strong profile for anything that's one to maximum seven off the fence. So that's that's the grid. Anything further than seven off the fence means that it gets a lot harder in terms of your chances of winning unless you can get really wide, which very few horses get out there, particularly if we're just going to be on a – Gen, let's just call it genuine heavy, somewhere between H8, H9, 
makes it like always. Always makes it tough for the back markers. They need the right race shape. Same so ground. The the best jockeys know where to go if they're on the on pace. They know where to get to first. Yes, yes, yeah. always. Nice and simple. Okay, Queen Elizabeth Stakes. Let's start with that. It's such a fabulous race. The race shape wise uh, is almost as fascinating as a result. What's your starting point for how you expect this race to be run with the nine horse field? Well, it's it's, it's difficult to predict anything to be of a fast nature. I, I found it hard to pin it anything better than at best we're going to be even speed. Yep. I just couldn't see it going anything more significant than that. I mean, is William Pike really going to want to try and do something crazy on Mount Popper? No. Jamie's not going to do anything crazy on Zaki. She's just not that type of rider. She's not going to just let, you know, try and break the field open. So it just looks even. Maybe below benchmark is possible as well. So I feel it's going to be a compressed field. And whoever's got the biggest sort of engine over the last six to 800 metres and can slot into any of those lanes, then they're going to look pretty ominous. I've got to say, when the markets came out, um, I was surprised that Animo was the generous price that it was. Just my first glance type look. And then your uh, early edition race speed profiles to settle on Animo as the most advantage. Uh, what's your case for Animo? Oh, it looks pretty pretty bulletproof Ralphie yeah I mean unless we you know got some sort of really waterlogged track which when we look at the YR whilst this <laughs> continuous rain today it will be less tomorrow right so you just need an umbrella won't be too bad so you're talking uh, the difference between a heavy tent and snorkel right yeah yeah okay yeah. so I, I was I'd be more worried about anime if we were in this where we've been having these tracks at Sydney where they're getting minus 40s and minus 50, which that's like a H12, Ralphie, right? Your legs go uh, everywhere. Yeah, they don't have them on the radar, you know, something behind beyond H10. But Volandis should come out and have that, right? H11, <laughs> H12, that's and right. plus 12, right? He yeah. should do it because he's not afraid, which is fantastic. I love that. I mean, it's just all business, and he wants to make sure everybody can be rewarded. But the reality is... I don't believe that's going to happen. So I see no negatives. It's a compressed field. And Tommy Berry's got the golden race shape for himself. Well, I keep wondering what they learned out of it last start. And by that, I mean when James McDonald said, well, there's no pace here. This time I'm not going to just sit at the back and be dictated to, which is pretty much how he was managed to be defeated in the uh, in the Randwick Guineas when he finished, you know, he had too much left in the tank too late. And so that showed you that he could stalk a speed uh, or a race shape rather rather than a speed, that's got to be a huge advantage tomorrow. It is. And obviously they might have been concerned with such a soft run that the horse did get at its last start. But the reality is I actually feel they've made the right move and not find another, another run for the horse in between or even a hard barrier trial. They didn't do any of that. And the reality is it's going to keep the horse somewhat a little bit on the fresher side. In other words, still keep some good speed in the horse's legs. And I just can't help but feel we're going to get another big improvement from this horse. And it has to be the starting point and the one they've all got to beat. doesn't matter how you look at it. It's it's a pretty easy field to look at. He's had one start against older horses. He was beating a nose in a cock's plate and <laughs> no state of rest here. And I know you you are very bullish in his ability to be just a wet tracker. And by that I mean, as you've already discussed, not a bottomless wet tracker, but he, he's he's 
performance was dominant, not just last up, but in the size produce. And of course, the Cox Plate was listed as, uh, I think it was listed as officially soft five, but it was, it was slower than that. Yeah, if he turns up and just repeats what he does at the Valley, they won't, no one will. Well, look, I don't have a ceiling on Juez, so that makes it very interesting. But just putting that to the side, there'll be nothing else in that field that can beat it. Well, that's that's nice at the five dollar range. Well, you mentioned Jewess. So let's get to her next. Um, so good in the Australian Cup. That, she just emerged. I mean, she was good when she won the Queensland Oaks, but that was went to a new level. And then the the challenge was, can she repeat sixteen days later back up to uh, New South Wales? And she certainly did. She just demolished him in the in the tank grid. How are you seeing the uh, seeing the position from going from twenty four hundred back to two thousand in a race where it's unlikely to be fast? Oh, I reckon that's just golden. And the reason why I say golden is this. Have, have a real, my s- scenario was with that last run was just with the, with the stable, you know, how are they going to deal with it? And could this horse, you know, could they still have it where they needed to have it? And the reality was, of course, this is post-race now. Yep. The performance when it won at Flemington was 0.6 above. And if you look at the runs before that, leading into that, first up, 12.3. So you're talking about, just to specify, you're talking about the early speed. Yeah, early speed. Yes, correct, right? 12.3 lengths below benchmark. Then second up, up to a mile, was 19.2 lengths below benchmark. Went to Flemington 2000, gone half a length above benchmark. That's a massive turnaround in speed. And then we've gone to Newcastle. And it was just all about whether the, I felt whether the stable could really just allow this horse to be able to repeat again because that was something I felt, you know, very high level. And there it was, went 7.8 lengths below benchmark. There's a little case there to say the horse was a little bit flat, Ralphie. And and you can see it, last 800 metres, still not quite as strong as that Flemington performance. And that sort of further clarified for me that was a little bit of an off run. The horse won by three and a half lengths. Come back to <laughs> 2,000 metres. This is the peak. This, this this horse should peak, you know, tomorrow. And, of course, going back to last in a field of nine is different to going back to last in a field of 16. I mean, that's just the, the natural mathematics. She's, she's probably going to be four legs off the lead. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot to, you know, be in this horse's favour. And, again, with the ground conditions, just working if we're just going to be in that genuine sort of H8, H9 range, somewhere thereabouts, this would be fine for this horse. It's got a rock-solid WTI 7.8. Very similar to Animo in terms of ground conditions capability. <sighs> that That's where the game is. It's, it's all about these two horses. And the only way anybody's going to get past them two is they if they don't turn up. That's a very bullish position given the, uh, the the market at the moment. Let's go to the next most advantage. Well, Zaki's most advantage logically because he's going to roll forward. He, he he's had two pretty soft uh, leading uh, tempos, including the All Star Mile, which uh, as has been well documented was was farcically run with five million on the line. It wasn't a complete walk, but it was still you know below benchmark. There, how's it going to shape him when it comes to stepping up to two thousand? Well, firstly, there was a big difference in transition of early speed from first up to second up because, like you said, they walked in that first up run yep. over 1,600. And then when it won at Flemington second up, it was almost 15 lengths quicker. So we're talking about not quite three seconds, but that's a lot of difference in speed. And you could see there was also a massive move in the mid. So this would have been all super for conditioning and being more battle ready. So I have no problems with this horse being ready for 2,000 metres. And I can't 
removed my vision, you know, like mentally of how fit I thought the horse was just from the, the TV screen, right? Yeah. That I could count all the ribs and, and the horse hadn't even had its first up run. So I don't believe there's going to be anything more to come from that this particular runner and it should be just absolutely prime for 2,000 metres. Now, I'm fairly confident that this horse is, is capable of, let's say at best, running to that Eagle Farm 2,200-metre victory, which is four and a half lengths above benchmark, and probably on the low would be that Flemington win last preparation in November of about 4.1. So respect has to be given to this horse no matter what. So I'm not sitting here and saying you're no chance. I just don't see you outperforming the other two unless you could come up with that miracle run at 2,000 doom but of 9.3, which hasn't been seen even remotely. And this isn't the race or the rider that's going to allow for that sort of tactic where it was brutal in nature of early speed and also the ground conditions won't allow that to happen. And even, again, another thing with Zaki... Probably got a little bit overexcited initially about Zaki's capability on the wet ground. I feel the wetter it is, the the more difficult it is for this horse, Ralphie. So again, probably it needs to see something better than a H8 to you know really come to prominence and be a serious threat. The, the only reason why it sits there and can't be sort of taken off that top four is that Jamie is going to go forward and probably going to have a fairly relaxed run and it's going to be the most biased position to be in and they've just got to hope that the other two don't turn up. All right, let's bracket these two uh, two mares. One, an established, uh, well, I suppose she's an immortal now, <laughs> winning 11 Group 1s in a Melbourne Cup, very elegant. Montefilia, uh, she's she's certainly a horse that we pegged as a filly when two unbelievable wins in the flight stakes in the spring champion. We're sort of going up and down for a bit. For She was good. Not great, uh, and I, I say that even with respect to winning the Metropolitan because I'm talking about how good that uh, flight stakes and uh, spring champion was. But then last start, she re-emerged again as a real serious Group 1 horse. It was on very heavy track, uh, very elegant, appeared to have every chance, and I was seeing Chris Waller quoted in Racenet as saying she was beaten fair and square. What we can't take away, though, and we only have to look back seven days, Chris Waller with his good horses, grand final peak. And this looks like Very Elegant's grand final peak. How are you assessing Very Elegant and Montefilia? Yeah, this one was took a little bit of hard thinking and a bit more analytics in terms of trying to really understand. Because I, under no circumstances could I expect Montefilia to be able to beat Very Elegant. So I was trying to understand, okay, what is it? Is it... Is it the Montefilia is a better wet tracker? Oh, no, it's not. It's not a better wet tracker than Very Elegant. So the only rationale that I could come up with between the difference between the two is, and this is something that James McDonald can do sometimes, and I, I feel it's a little bit of an error for him, is that he, he did overextend the horse in the mid when compared to Montefilia and had to do had to use more energy, and that isn't a fair and square scenario. So on that basis, I sort of disagree a little bit with Mr Waller about what he, he's saying that he got beaten fair and square. I don't believe so. I, I feel that the rider made a slight error. In that, in that field, very elegant in the past, could have been a lot more forward, and it wasn't. And therefore, when it had to put the squeeze on, and the squeeze was several lengths more than Montefilia. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm really going into a tight window here but that's the difference between winning and losing and 
to me, I, I'll be disappointed if we see the same outcome from J-Mac again. He's not going to be as, uh, how can I call it, confident. Like, he's not going to have that overconfidence about him. Like, I've got this field covered. He knows this is different. He's got serious competition. Last start, he probably thought, I'm too I'm too good for this field and sort of tended to lay back a little bit like he's done in the past with other horses. Well, you pretty much described what you said that he did with Animo in the oh, game yeah. with Guineas. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. So you, you're pretty much saying the very elegance ready to rebound to a plus four sort of range? Yep, absolutely. Which, again, you, what you're saying is such is your belief in Animo and, and probably equally do are, that still puts them behind the, the, those two as the best two. They can only win if the top two don't turn up. That's it. There's, it you can, I can dice it lots of ways. <laughs> I can give you all the reasons for everything else, like think it over and Mount Popper and I'm Thunderstruck and even Dallasan, right? I can, I can make the good cases, yep. but it's all about those two horses. Now, if those two horses don't turn up, all those other horses mentioned, they're some sort of a threat. Well, I know business-wise, you always say there's slots and there's three positions to take. I, I'm, I'd be surprised if uh, if your mindset uh, today, 24 hours out, wasn't animo with the place on side. Makes a lot of sense to me, uh, you know. Unless this horse tumbles into dollar ninety and dollar <laughs> twenty place, five dollars. Yeah, and then I'll have to sit out and say, you know, I better buy a second pair of Wellingtons. And, you know, talk to somebody in Sydney. And say, what are you guys doing? That's it. All right, we'll go chronologically now and uh, and start with the, with the Oaks Race 6 on the program here. And it's always a bit of a puzzle, and particularly when we've got these such testing conditions here. There's a bit of a bracket with the uh, with the market. Hinged, Gypsy Goddess, Honey Creeper in, uh, in mid-four range, and uh, they're just ahead of Pink Ivory at $6 there. Um, Hinged and Gypsy Goddess uh, and Pink Ivory all came through the same race. Uh, Honey Creeper on the quick backup from last. Uh, what's your assessment of how the Oaks will be run pace-wise? Well, nice big field. Gives you the tendency that we're going to see some sort of speed. But again, when you look at this profile of all these horses, when they're asked to do something, they run benchmark. Yep. So what's going to happen? Uh, oh, mate, you know, Damien Lane, he, he's a, he can go forward on horses that have got speed. So there is this possibility he can be part of the creation of the speed. But if he can take a sit and his horse will allow it, then he's going to look for that. And therefore, you know, I'm just sort of looking a little bit further down and saying, okay, is something like Chance Reward or Charity Spirit, are they going to try and create a little bit of heat? So I felt comfortable that benchmark is not unrealistic and it's probably not going to be likely they're going to go 10 lengths below benchmark i feel that there's going to be just because of the size of the field and at least five horses want to have a look at the front we're, we're going to be at that sort of pace but is it going to be brutal oh geez i mean nothing's impossible we you know that miracle thing could happen but I'm saying no. Well, yeah, and I, I assume that's why you're saying best zone two to seven lengths from the leader, just not not right in front, but just being able to pick up and and, and get full momentum for the twenty four hundred. Right. Yeah, very important. Be off that back. All right. Well, you've settled on the Honey Creeper as your most advanced here on the uh, on the quick backup with uh, with the great Hugh Bowman. So we know Tick won't won't worry heavy track. Uh, Tick, you got a great rider. Uh, the third tick is quick backup, slow pace. Did they walk last week? Oh, phenomenal. They definitely had hurt. There's no question. So that's where we often see the, the quick backup is perfect when they're off slow tempo races. So it's come off for a walk. It has come off for a walk. And one thing's for sure, 
if this is heavy 10 plus, yep. a very hard horse to beat because this horse has got dominance over the competition when it comes to wet track. It's got a good four lengths on the field. And this is why it was so powerful in victory and it looked phenomenal, right? Because this horse is a super mud runner. So if we get a scenario, which is unlikely, but if you got to a scenario where you see an S in front of it, then it's going to come back to the pack and it's going to really make it easier for a couple of other horses being hinged. And Gypsy Goddesses, I thought that run was sensational. Okay, so just uh, I'll just finish one thing off with, with Honey Creeper just to back up your point there. Four group ones last week, you know, the TJ as well. She ran the fifth best last 200 of the day at the end of 2,000 metres. So you're not going to be doing that unless you just love the wet ground. Oh, absolutely. WTI 12.6, Rafi. <laughs> okay, that's super. It's sort of Winks type numbers. So uh, back to the point you just touched on there with Gypsy Goddess. We look at Newcastle there, and you see she was uh, she was favourite in the race just uh, over uh, over the uh, the um, second horse Hinge, who she takes on again. Fangirl won the race. She's in the Queen of the Turf. We'll get to her. So she was beaten 4.6 lengths. Why do you say the run was so sensational? Well, firstly, William Pike... We know how capable he is as a rider, but he's come to Sydney. He has to learn a whole new set of dynamics in terms of understanding how some of these tracks play. And no, unfortunately, Mr. Pike, you weren't at Ascot, right? <laughs> you were at Newcastle. And you gave just too much of a speed gap, right? 24.4 first half of the race. But the way this horse accelerated from the 800 to the finish, that was a winning performance. I said to myself, you're going to win wherever you step out next start. Now, okay, here we are, up to 2,400, good competitive field. So it's not finding an inferior grade. It's it's up to the right level. But this horse was so strong in the finish and was a perfect hit out and a little, in my view, a little bit hidden because if this runner was five lengths closer, only five lengths, and still travelling 19 below benchmark, would have won the race. Right. So that, that gives you that type of clarity. What clarity have you got, if, assuming we're, we're talking about a heavy 9-10 range? Well, again, when I look at that, the 18.2, this is raw, below benchmark in that Newcastle run, you can sort of say that's S7H8 range. Yep. And there it is, 5.8 WT. It's not at the same level as Honey Creeper, but it's up with the main pack, which gives me enough confidence to suggest that this horse is going to have not too many challenges handling it. Of course, like everything, if it just rains a lot more than what the anticipation is on Saturday and we get a heavy 10 plus, then I'd be very nervous. Where are the better for Pink Ivory? Again, another runner that I'm not saying can't handle the wet, but when I look very carefully and use Honey Creeper as the benchmark and then look at Hinge as a second benchmark in terms of wet track profiles, I would say this particular horse here has to be like right up there in terms of being able to handle the wet ground and worst case scenario, it, it, it's anywhere between 4 and a plus 10 WTI. All right, and we'll round off with uh, with El Patroness, and, and, and in very simple terms, El Patroness comes off such a fast race. It was fast enough to lead most Cox Bites last start at Mooney Valley. Of course, that means uh, good track to to uh, wet track, but uh, that type of run we, we repeatedly see, that you've got to respect that. 
you have to respect it. And usually what happens is they have a reversal at their subsequent start where they'll run a lot slower. But there'll be nothing to worry about in terms of fitness and conditioning, that's for sure. Just from a wet track point of view, it is going to give some of these horses a little bit of a head start. Just want to ask you about one horse. One thing is just bugging me in the back of my mind. The great Ollie goes on to La Leville. First up for Chris Lee's a Johnny Wheeler horse. I'm just looking at the video, so I've got no uh, no insight about the the actual time. But the the Mark Lamborn, very smart Sydney student, uh, saying of the best uh, best lead in for a 2400 run is a 2400 run so it's had that hard conditioning of the of the 2400 does it got any clothes on it both either at trenton uh, trentham or uh, ellersley a little bit of a one-paced horse ralphie yep and which sometimes is enough <laughs> yeah oh absolutely and yeah, that's not going to be a negative here yep definitely not going to be a negative here but the, the just a little challenge is it's a 1.7 best performance below benchmark so it has to find a couple this is probably the place to try and find it because you're talking about a 1.7 at the distance right yep where some of these other horses they've got above benchmark at a much shorter distance so it is a lot tougher and you can't um you you you, you can't knock it you can't say no no it's it's right. got to be one of the top four Okay, well, let's just round it off here. Friday morning, you've got a um, moderate confidence level here, and uh, I think we probably have to leave it at that from uh, from an early betting point of view. For sure. Yeah. Sydney Cup, yep. Crystal Pegasus, I kept looking at it. What has he done wrong? And by look at your most advantage, you're saying he's done nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing, Ralphie. When you look at what this particular runner did last start, went through the first section, 2.4 lengths below benchmark, between the 8 and the 4, almost benchmark, last 400 plus 2.1. So you look at it and say, okay, just looks like an even run, but that's very hard to do. It's good pressure from start to finish. Most races it's staying, particularly when you get to these type of races, there's lots of breathers in the mid-race or early. And this horse didn't have that. This horse had to run with pressure. So, yes, if you're going to, Look at what's the challenge. The challenge is first time 3,200 metres, but that run at 2,600 metres was super strong on, uh, uh, let's just call it S5 ground, Ralphie. I can't fault it. Just, okay, it's just a gamble on what's the calculations about this horse getting 3,200. I can't see any reason why it can't. Seven dollars each way seems like a, an inviting price. Favorite for the race is Stockman. My first glance at this was: is it is it over bet due to the fact that something had to run second to to Duar at, uh, at at Newcastle? Given Duar was just so dominant, what's your thoughts on Stockman? Well, we know how solid that performance is. So the big challenge for Stockman's got to be: it's all about race shape for this horse. It's going to get down to that for, to get the 3,200. If it gets an orderly soft speed where it's not high pressure and they want to run like there's hurdles in place, then this horse, well, Stockman, is going to have a very, very big chance of being in the finish because it loves wet ground and it will have no problems. It's a grinding horse, Ralphie. But if they go with good speed, then there's going to be some there's going to be some weaknesses coming out, particularly up to 3,200 metres. And, yeah, it, it's it's well found, isn't it, in the early market? Yeah, and I know it's not in your, in your most advantage. So no. uh, that in itself is interesting. You mentioned the speed, which I haven't asked you about then. So looking at your at your race speed profiles and looking at the profile of a uh, of the co-trader of Knight's, uh, Knight's Order, Gay Waterhouse, uh, she likes her horses rolling along out in front. They're just going to roll, Ralphie. 
angel of truth might help it to, to, to keep it that way and they might want to say let's just make it a real staying test because horse like nice orders can run 3200 meters and they know there might be a lot of weaknesses in other horses why make it easy for them not only can he run 3200 meters but let's say it again seven day back up off a slow tempo race last week so that's a tick tick absolutely no, and loves wet track um, no compromise. He's doing nothing wrong. Another of uh, Chris Waller's, uh, what, five runners in the race. And, and really, uh, we know one thing, the wet crown won't be any concern. No, it'd be no concerns for this particular horse either, Ralphie. It was, was interesting the move they made to go forward on the horse last start. I thought that was really interesting. But it worked. They got yeah. victory and it ran strongly if we compare it to the run before it was 10 lengths faster and i just felt that the horse was probably running to its true capabilities so it wasn't it's not a negative now is the question is if they apply the same tactics which i i'm predicting no but if they did then that would be the only negative for the horse and uh and surefire well <laughs> this this looks like a perfect setup here for a chris chris waller to uh to get get this horse to peak as an international third up yeah. Winkers first time. They've got to be all big pluses, don't they, Ralphie? Yeah. And you can see, even though the performance from one run to the other is only very, very small, 0.3 above to 0.6 above, but they're improvements. Nothing suggests that you can't run 3,200 metres. Very lightly raced horse. It's just got to be one of those situations. You know, Are you comfortable wanting to back this horse at 3,200 metres? Well, the stable's not going to put you off. <laughs> That's for sure. Lunches is a horse that we uh, we found in our sizzlers a, a few starts back, identifying him as a potential Sydney Cup, uh, real you know, real to be greatly respected. He seems completely on track for that now. Yeah, I felt this was one of three horses that I sort of well, lunch is not hidden, right? Because firm in the market. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and I'm with you, Ralphie. The way this horse finished off the last 800 metres off that minus 30.6, just it looks like it's going to eat up the 3,200 metres and ready to peak. And the, the, the Chris Lee's stable, they're very good at these type of situations. And have a look at that run last campaign at Ramwick, Ralphie, over, over the 2,600, what it did over the last 400 metres, plus seven. That they're just all big signs that this horse is going to thrive on the 3,200 metres. Just my little reservation is if the track can get, you know, H8S7, better for this horse. Oh. If it's going the other way, a little bit of a challenge. So you, you said three horses. I assume one's Crystal Pegasus, the other one's Lunchies. Who's the other main chance? Yeah, well, these are the, these are the, the two new ones that I discovered because I, I just – Rolfie, what I like to do is like you get the chessboard out and say, okay, let's assume Crystal Pegasus has had enough. Um, you know, I'm, 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 these are hypotheticals, right? Yeah. No compromise, no good at 32. Wrong race shape for Stockman. Surefire, 50-50. Then all of a sudden, I look at future score and the chosen one. They look like they're set for this race as well. And they've got rock-solid 3,200-metre profiles. And there's... They're, they're sensational on wet ground. And I go, okay, well, why couldn't these two horses be a blowout at a big price? And definitely I circled it in saying that if you're going to do multis, 
it would be very bad move not to put these two runners in. Very bad move. <laughs> so uh, future score blowout at $41. The chosen one, about $14. And I can't help think that uh, given its its genuine genuine class perspective, uh, this is a horse who's repeatedly run well in 3,200 races, uh, such as a Melbourne Cup, <laughs> you know, fourth in a Melbourne Cup, um, that he's sitting there alone on the handicap. And I think that's why you're getting such good odds with him. Yeah, and... The reality is he, he's not inferior to this field. He's right up to this field, and he's at his golden distance, right? Yeah. And, and probably got on, on a number of the key runners, it's probably got two or three lengths on him wet track-wise. All right, so a few box tickers there are $14 the day before. We'll update further tomorrow. Let's finish with what a fantastic race this Queen of the Turf is. Uh, one of those first glances, Vince, I look at it and think, well, I get why Colette and Ice Bath are, are so deep in the market, but yeah, I reckon it'd be a different market if it was on top of the ground. It isn't, but gee, there's some really good horses at big odds here have come off some good performances here, but let's, let's just stick to the reality. We know on wet ground, Colette, and uh, Ice Bath are superior horses. In the Golden Eagle of 2022, it was a bottomless track. There was a nose between them. Colette beat Ice Bath, but their quality, any, any, any set up here at all. Ice Bath's proven on a seven-day backup, and Colette just looks perfectly set to peak tomorrow. Both those runners, it's going to be really bad luck that's going to stop them to get on the podium. They get all the type of attributes that they're looking for. They thrive on the wet ground. They're backing up either up from 15 to 16 or staying at the 16. They're just big, big pluses for these horses. They're going to get a race with it's got real pressure. Which You've said fast a, speed for Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see him crawling here. Vangelic, never been kissed. That's the starting point. They're not going to walk. Shout the bar and Anavisto are going to maintain, make sure that there's, there's good solid speed. And I'm just sitting here saying... If the track's not deteriorating, it's just going to be high pressure. Yep. And it's just going to allow any of the horses that are sitting three to eight lengths off that pack to be absolutely A1 to, to run down the lead pack. Barrier-wise, with Colette 9 and Ice Bath 15, Colette probably is in front of it in the run. I would say yes. And James McDonald to being that type of rider particularly if he's you know he, he sees a chance that he can he can win this race which he knows is on a horse that's good enough yep he's gonna he's gonna make sure the collar puts itself in a good position and i definitely see this horse inside that eight length zone and ice bath 50 50 could be 10 or 12 or could be right on the fringe that's what i was asking yeah if, if there's some chance that what you're saying is there's some chance if the speed is brutal that she ends up in that non-winning position just too far back that's the key if it does do that. But Kevin McAvoy, he's he's also, you know, as we know, Ralphie, very intelligent. If he senses that he's a little bit too far back, hopefully he's going to be able to work himself into the strike zone because he's going to, he's going to have that 800 metres to get there, Ralphie. So when I talk about the strike zone, it's not like where you jump out and where you are in the first 400 metres. It's where are you at the 800. That's the death zone. If you're outside of that elastic band, that's when you've got a problem. So these riders, they've got to be thinking ahead. So I'm assuming someone like Karen McAvoy is going to get himself out. He might be 12 lengths off him, 
over the first 400 metres, but he's got the next 400 metres to get himself in that zone without having to overextend his energy. Because if he waits until he gets to the 400 and he's 12, that energy burns too much and you won't get the lane advantage that you're looking for. So as an overview, and we'll, we'll look at a couple of other runners, but as an overview, you're, you're agreeing with the market, $4, $5 in, in simple terms. They've got a market edge, and you're saying that that's, that's well entitled, these two horses. 100% entitled to that. Of course, got a couple of horses that are yet to sort of, from my perspective, you know, they don't have a ceiling and they could just be big leapers, but this is a hard race to be a big leaper in. Yeah, no doubt. So let, let's ask you about the third favourite here, Jons. Well, I, w- I wish it was an inferior stable because then you could put the bed through it, but it's such a hard stable to put the bed through my uses. But what an amazing uh, uh, profile he's got. Unbeaten in six runs and all in its first prep. Has it got another run in it? How's it going to go 2,000 back to the mile? What's the trend line for this horse? Everything I see, the horse has never been fully tested. Yeah. So this is this is a runner that I've just got a ceiling on, um, a no ceiling on. My apologies. Is when you look at that Flemington run, ten point two lengths below benchmark for this horse, where its genuine speed is around the two to three lengths below benchmark, is absolutely cruising. It's like it's it's like walking speed for this horse, <laughs> and that's why I had the big move in the mid race of around 15 lengths, but most more importantly, 3.7 lengths above benchmark. And why I say that, Ralphie, have a look at the run at Flemington, three starts back when it won at a mile. Seven lengths faster, the mid was the same, 3.6 versus 3.7 above benchmark. This is why I'm saying to you that this horse was absolutely jogging to win that race. Now, I know the margin's not big. We see the taper at the end. You can sit there and say, does the taper at the end have something to do with maybe it's coming to the end, end of the campaign? And I look very closely at this. There is that possibility, but I cannot excuse about how much you have to take into consideration about the big exertion in the mid with 400 metres of more ground to cover for the first time. It has to have some impact. But I reckon coming back to a mile, fantastic. And you've got to just deal with Sydney. That's all. Yeah, so uh, well, you actually said that this very statement about you got to deal with Sydney first time Anna Vistu, and when she went to Newcastle, uh, she was she tried really hard. She she would uh, well, you obviously disappointed the market if if you took her at the short price. Wasn't beaten far, and uh, a fair bit of quality all around her. Also, the other thing was she came off a Flemington win where she was dominant, but the race shape meant that she she didn't have to go overly hard here. Third up, probably peaks fitness wise. It, it, is it dependent on how fast the, the, the leading duo go? It is. The, that's that's going to have a big bearing because it is going to be in a very, very good spot no matter how you look at it. The question is, does it get dragged into that battle? Yeah. Where you've got two horses that could potentially almost be lone leaders and then you've got to try and reel that in. But if you stay part of that pack, there's no question you're going to burn a lot of energy and – the high probability, if you look at what happened last week at Randwick, how much difference there was around the back versus the home straight. That means if you're going to use a lot of fuel around the back coming into the home straight, you're just going to be completely depleted of energy. And that's why I'm looking for the the, the, the pack horses that are sitting a bit further back. Now, I'm not saying that Rachel King can or can't do this, but if she chooses to be a little bit further back and a little bit more reserved and allow them to get four or five lengths ahead of them, that's its best chance. So, so just have, play the patience game. 
Yeah. Just, that's just, don't be part of the, the, you know, try and stay in part of the pack. Just sit back. You become the second pack. All right. Now, there are a couple of others that you've put in most advantage, and we can actually, they actually raced against each other at Mooney Valley last start. And I first had a look at the markets when I saw one was $31, the other $41. We know how good they are at their peak. Shout the bar was dynamic last start, but of course, on very firm ground. Quantum Mechanic, her best. Wow, the Turek handicap last year and, uh, behind, uh, behind uh, of course, I'm Thunderstruck was, was genuine quality. She probably peaks here even though she was run off her feet last start. Those two horses you're saying are, are in contention quality-wise, race-shape-wise and track-condition-wise. How do they line up? Well, probably the if we look at track-condition first for Shout the Bar, that's it's a horse that can get through it, but it isn't a lover and it's going to have a four-length disadvantage to the top two horses in Ice Bath and Collier. That's never a good sign, Ralphie, plus the fact that you're going to have to step up and improve further. So that's the challenge. But that win last start at Mooney Valley, <laughs> that was quality. <laughs> this was like Gay Waterhouse when she's like on fire. Yep. Like sensational. And yep. you sit back and say, well, why can't you improve further off that run? So, yeah, the drier the better, I suppose, is the, yes. is the, is the summation there. Quantum Mechanic, uh, yeah, talk us through this because obviously a huge elevation speed first up to second up, so it was entitled to be run off its feet a bit. Yeah, and still kept coming, Ralphie. That, that was probably what I liked most about it. When I look at, first of all, going five and a half lengths faster through the first section than its first up run, pretty much matched the mid, which is really good to see, but it had a superior last 400 compared to first up, so you could see how much out of condition this horse was, one run to the other, and when I looked at it, I thought that the horse might have improved conditioning-wise somewhere around two lengths, but after lining it up with the second up run, the data is actually indicating the horse has improved probably about four lengths from one run to the other, and... There's at least another two lengths to three lengths to come just on conditioning. So all those aspects, they're all very positive. The downside is there has to be some challenges around the love of the wet, and it may not have that good fortune tomorrow where you need you know heavy gumboots. Well, I'll, I'll just go th- three more just above the $10 mark. I'll go in race book order. So the first of those is Lighthouse on the quick backup from last start uh, in the Doncaster. Obviously, wet track's no problem. Is a high-pressure mile the question? Well, <laughs> there's a few things. It, this has got a little bit of forbidden love about it <sighs> that – I'm sitting here saying there's absolutely nothing in the intel to suggest that you are still got another running. Everything's looking decline. And when I see this sort of pattern in a horse, they're very, very negative for me, right? Yep. Yes, you can handle the ground, no question. But just even the taper off that last run, Ralphie, look at the taper. It was 17.8 lengths below benchmark. Yes, we factor in the heavy track, but that's as slow as this horse can go. The finish wasn't there. The last 400, particularly the, yeah, well, the last last 200 metres lost another 1.3 lengths of velocity. But from the 600 to the finish line, the horse just kept get, getting slower off a race shape that wasn't a negative for it, like it was in favour of, and it was the driest part of the track. So that all, when I see that, look, if this, I mean, this stable can, they're unbelievable. Like I'm, I'm sort of touting this is probably the, one of the best stables in the country now. So they can achieve anything. But there's no way 
I can back this horse and whatever it is in the market, I just add another zero to it. Promise of success was good at Newcastle. Second best last 600, 400, and 200 a day. So a real sustained close. Uh, for a six-year-old mare, she's got an interesting profile because she's an import. So it looks like John O'Shea has got her absolutely spot on now. Yeah, and no ceiling on this mare either, Ralphie. I know it's only 1.2 last start, so it sits a bit, a bit low on the grid. But I'm very confident of this. Probably that five lengths first section slower than its normal pattern, well, probably four to be if I want to be very precise, uh, prevented this horse from getting a higher IVR figure. So I'm sitting back here saying you're probably a plus three horse all day and no ceiling. All right, and we'll round off with Fangirl. She also won at Newcastle, but under a different circumstance, of course, uh, beating, beating the Phillies, put into the race and comes back in distance from 1850 to the mile. Yeah, coming back in distance, no negative Yep, at all. Ground conditions probably proved that there that if you're in the slow range, S seven, then this horse very effective. Have a look at the WTI off that run, nine point eight. That was big, big asset for the horse and super strong. Actually, for me, it was the best run all campaign, and was in line with what this horse was doing last campaign. So the Waller Camp have got this horse right back and. Bit of a sleeper. All right, can't be dismissed there. Any uh, any other horses I should have touched on that I haven't? Come most of the market. We can tick a lot of horses. But we're back this, to the business. Yeah, you got to come back to the starting <laughs> point. You know, you're looking to tick the boxes for others. Those two at the top of the grid can't turn up. And if they don't turn up, then yes, you know, then there's a, there's a wide open opportunity for about nine horses. But if they turn up, they're going to take two of the three um, podium spots. You're wearing the blue jacket tomorrow, Animo and Collette, I can tell. Got to. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, it's Friday morning uh, that we're taping this. Uh, thanks so much for being a customer of Year Round Carnival Preview. Tomorrow, of course, we'll update it all. We'll go right through the program if you've got the full uh, package, but even if you uh, just got the uh, the um, the Friday package, we are going to give you Vince's updated thoughts for the four group ones. We want to give you the best service possible because without your support, we ain't got a show. So we really appreciate you being part of Year Round Carnival.